We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. And so have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Hey, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Hey, 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 welcome to Rampstock Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. Mike, how you doing, man? How you doing? Hey, man, we're doing really good, man. How about yourself? Doing all right. It's a Sunday. The Rams have just pulled off a 24-10 victory. I'm just getting the good news that you guys are heading out there to go uh, fight for a league championship next Friday. Is that correct? That's right, man. Uh, you know, we've gotten back on the winning ways, won the last three games. And so uh, after win last Friday, even though it wasn't as, as beautiful as we like, the win is a win. And so, uh, yeah, we'll play a school out here called Liberty High School, and it'll be for the share of the league title. So it'll be pretty packed house. We play at their place. And so uh, it's a much anticipated game over the year. So it'll be be a lot of fun. How'd they do against them last year, by chance? Uh, came up a little short. So this is, you know, somewhat a little bit of redemption. And so we have a lot of mutual friends on on their staff, a few of what I would call my young guns uh, that played at Bakersfield High. So they have a lot of ex-drillers on the staff. So it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, speaking of a little bit not so pretty in terms of victories, the Rams do win a 24-10 
it started off in many phases looking pretty, and it got a little drab later on. What were your what's your initial response to this Rams twenty four ten win over the winless Bengals? Well, you know, uh, I think this time of year, a win, any way you can get it is a win, but you also want to be hitting your stride at this uh, point in the year. And so you can see some good things. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, you know, those things. But overall, if I were to give it a a grade, I'm going to give it, you know, C plus B minus, uh, you know, just because it just seems like some areas we're still a little bit lax in. I look at it as I'll take a 24-10 win. I'm happy they're 5-3 and three going into the bye. It's a much-needed bye. This team needs to get healthy and get some of these new players into the lineup. I'm, I'm hoping to see like Austin Corbett, for example, getting into the lineup after the break. They have a big game against Pittsburgh, and I don't want to hear they're down to third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, or whatever. They're still Pittsburgh. They're still the Steelers. They're still in Pittsburgh. So I look at this as I'll take it. I'm happy they got it. They are, there is a lot of pretty things in this game, but – Mike, there there are some things going on, especially the trenches that concern me. And I think by now you've gotten to know me a little bit. I like it when a team goes for the kill shot, and it felt like the Rams did not do that. And during a time when you need to be sharpening and polishing that offense up, and it's that's not what they did in the second half. They they got one more score to put kind of put this game a little bit out of reach, and well, they took their feet off the gas. They didn't go for the kill shot, and that bothers me a little bit overall. Yeah, yeah, I I have to agree uh, because even that last score, you know, you basically have a DB that fell down. You know, if he doesn't fall down, does he have a chance to even make an interception? I'm not sure if he could have gotten there, but it's probably not a touchdown for sure. And then, you know, what are we left with? You know, do we end up with a score? Do we end up with a field goal? Uh, so yeah, I agree. We need to, to clean up some things. There were some good, good things, you know, Cooper Cup was getting open over the middle, but it seemed to be more of a breakdown in their defense as opposed to us really putting pressure on them. Well, we're still causing some of those breakdowns too, right? I mean, that's part of playing the game. You're, you're getting them looking one way and they shouldn't have been having those breakdowns. Zach Taylor quite frankly, knows his Rams offense. He knows his Rams defense. And by the way, he game planned very well for that Rams defense in such as that first half. So I, I I think that overall with the Rams getting some of those plays over the middle, I'll take them. That, that's progress. That's There was some really nice accuracy. There's some good timing there. And and by the way, that how about that uh, that, dunk, that what reverse? Yeah, that's flea reverse. Flicker. Right. So that's the play I'm talking about. The DV fell down. It was a, a play, but I looked at it and go, okay, wow, we got to somewhat resort to super trickery to try to score on Cincy. You know what I mean? So when you see some things like that, you go, oh, man, that's a cool play. But it's like, okay, why are we resorting to trickery to score? So... I agree. It, one thing you, you made me think about by you saying about Zach Taylor is you just don't know how much, you know, the sentiments go like, yeah, we want to win, but we don't want to embarrass, you know, a former coach. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just I, throwing it out there. I look at it like it was pretty clear they took the, the feet off the gas. Once they got that second score, it was almost like they're like, you know what? Let's let's uh, back off a little bit. Let's uh, we don't want to embarrass Zach, but you know, also we don't want to show anybody anything else in our playbook. I took that first half touchdown as they're in London. You want to make the league look good. You want you want gifts people fans there or something to remember. So go for one of your trick plays because you were always they were already going up and down the field anyways. The Rams scored. On their first, what, two possessions alone, that last touchdown made three in a row. They were moving the football. They didn't have to go that route. So I, that's what, I didn't take it as a, they're desperate and they need to go get a score. I took it as, well, the Rams, they were showing off a little bit with what they got. That's how I took it in terms of, hey, you're in London. You got some fans you're trying to make over there. 
you're the home team. You left your flags all over every seat in the stadium. People are watching. You're not coming back for a long time, at least not as the home team. So you might as well uh, show off. And that's that's how I took it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that could absolutely be the case where, again, what are we – molding into or morphing into are we just morphing into a quote-unquote entertainment situation or are we actually still going to play the game of football so to your point when you're talking about you know we want to excite the fans and things like that I can guarantee you 99% of the guys could care less about flying across the country to play a football game in London it's like what's the point no, I'm with you on that. I, I I totally am over all these games. I th- I think if you do it, you do it once a year, not five times a year. And right. if you want to do it more, you do it early in the preseason. And you keep these guys healthy. You don't do it more. Right. One, make it a one-time showcase, kind of like the winter the winter series uh, hockey game used to be. Now they do four or five of those now too. You only need one. You make it special, right. and then every time you keep doing this, you make it less and less special. Yeah, uh, but. I just saw it as say the Rams were moving the ball however they want, and they felt they could they could quote unquote waste to play in that situation. Go for it, why not? Yeah, and, and you, you know I think you know one of the dilemmas too is the fact that like the Rams, I'm pretty sure they stayed out in Cleveland and then flew to New England. I mean England. So say that you have, I mean Atlanta. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, in Atlanta, you know, so you stand there, you're not really at home, and then you now have to fly, you know, somewhat across the the continent to a whole nother time zone and everything else is going on. And and it's just funny. You look at the guys on the sideline towards the end. It's like, man, let's let's get out of here. That was the look (laughs) on their face that and I I have thoughts on all that, though, and it's not. I want to kind of forewarn people. This is not going to be one of those negative podcasts where I'm hammering this team and saying, hey, listen. No, no, I'm not saying that. But there are a couple of areas I'm thinking, listen, dude, you're four and three. You're coming off the Super Bowl. You're, you're supposed to be a contender. You're trying to fine-tune your craft and get better. And where is the balance between getting better and just getting home and getting healthy and getting and getting some sleep? <laughs> you know, Where's the balance there? You're off for the next two weeks. That Those are my thoughts going through my head. Before we go any further, folks, I want to remind you that we're sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollow's team. Also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review over there on Apple Music. It helps us out. we got great shows on our network, Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, Rampage Radio. And don't forget that five-star contest, that, that wonderful Gift in the end, the reward, the whatever you want to call it for the contest is a personalized Rams jersey or whatever jersey you want. Hopefully, it's a Rams jersey for NFLshop.com. Once with 200 five star reviews, this is how it works. Head over to iTunes, Apple Music, leave that five star review. Send us an email at ramstalk1945gmail.com with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward and we'll also read your feedback on the show, which we'll do today at the end. And also, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, My Bookie. Again, Hey, folks, these folks are paying to talk to you. Um, our listeners will just go ahead and you know, talk to my bookie here for a moment, and we'll be right back. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. Pick your locks for the week, then put them together in one Parlay bet and when they all come through, the rewards are huge. Best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Massive Late Fee to activate the offer. That's promo code Massive Late Fee 
and you'll double your cash when you sign up. Visit mybookie.ag today. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Mike. The numbers from the game. Here we go. This is all of it. This is the 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 good, the bad, the ugly. Team stats. First down, 24 for the Bengals, 19 for the Rams. 401 total yards, though, for the Bengals. 470 for the Rams. That could have been much, much more. We'll talk about that. Third die efficiency, 6 of 18 for the Bengals. 7 of 13. That's much better for the Rams. Total play, 79 for the Bengals. 57 for the Rams. Average for play, 8.2 for the Rams. 5.1 for the Bengals. Rushing yards, 104 for the Bengals. That number is deceiving. 98 for the Rams. Yards passing, 372 for the Rams, 297 for the Bengals. Total overall punts. The Rams, five punts, 44 yards, uh, 44.4, 41.6 for the Bengals. Nine penalties for 59 yards, 6 and 40 for the Bengals. Rams only had the ball for 27 minutes and, third, and 17 seconds. Bengals, 32, 43. Individual numbers here. Well, they're Interesting. Jared Goff is 17 of 31 for 372 yards, two touchdowns. That's 12 yards and a 10 to 119 QB rating, only 54.8% completion percentage. Andy Dalton, 32 of 52, 329, a touchdown was sacked five times. That pass rush getting to him, and the Rams did not blitz much. Rushing, Joe Mixon for the Bengals, 17 for 66, a 3.9 average. Giovanni Bernard, 3 for 31, a long of 25. For the Rams, Daryl Henderson, 11 carries, 49 yards, 4.5 a carry. Todd Gurley, 10 for 44, 4.4 carry. That's deceiving. His long was a 20 with one touchdown. Robert Woods, 4 for 6. Receiving Alex Erickson for the Bengals, 6 for 97 yards, 7 targets for that. Tyler Eifert, 6 for 74. Tyler Boyd, 6 for 65. And Alden Tate, 5 for 65. That's that's something I want to talk to you about, by the way. The Bengals, they have some issues, but I'm not sure receivers are their issue. And then Cooper Cup for the Rams, 7 for 220. That's right, 7 for 220, a long of 65 yards, was targeted 10 times. Josh Reynolds, 3 catches for 73, was targeted 8 times. Robert Woods, 2 for 36. Terrell Harrison, 2 for 20. Jared Everett, 2 for 15. And Tyler Higby, 1 for 8. Brandon Cooks was targeted once and was injured on that play, a concussion. That's his second concussion this year. He's had at least three in the last couple of years, and so uh, there's some concerns there. Uh, Greg Zerline, one field goal made, one attempt, three for three extra points. Trying to see, is there anything else here interesting? Um, Eric Weddle, six tackles today. Corey Littleton, eight tackles. That's five solo, three assists. Twelve tackles for Taylor Rapp. He had some problems covering them. Sacks today. Uh, one, a half sack for Michael Brockers. One for Aaron Donald. One and a half for Dante Fowler. Continuing his great year. Corey Littleton, half a sack. And you ready? Ogbonia Okoronkwo. Oh, did I say it right? Did I say it right, Mike? I mean, pretty close. Pretty close. One, one and a half sacks. He really should have had just two f- full sacks, period. Slid past, slid past the uh, quarterback there, and, uh, well, there you go. So, Mike, there's all the numbers. It's To me, it's a different game than the numbers really show. But what story does these numbers show? Well, one, it shows we're not – still at that quote-unquote high-octane level offense that, that we may have been have gotten used to over these last couple seasons. So that's what's nice about a buy upcoming buy. You know, you're at the midway point, and now hopefully we can kick it in gear, you know, down the stretch here these next eight games. Uh, so it's, again, for me, you have the half a week stay in Atlanta after the game, pretty big win there. Then you come to New England and just using my own experience traveling across, you know, the we just we did it a couple times. But the first time I went my rookie year was like, oh, OK, you're kind of like a, a tourist and, 
you're not really practicing that much. You're just kind of out there for maybe an hour and then, you know, you got family with you. And so not sure how much family goes, but it looks like family goes. So Mr. Whitworth's family out there. So I'm assuming they use it as a family friendly trip as well. So you have a lot of things that are planned behind the scenes that we may not know about that to me obviously affect the intensity of the game, if you will. So that's where you got to really be a professional and just kind of turn it on and say, okay, we're here to do a job. Let's go do it. But the numbers don't indicate a whole lot of that going on besides, you know, Cooper Cup's big day. And the Rams had a ton of offensive yards in that first half alone. And that's some of the things. The story does show they had a big game offensively, 470 yards. The numbers don't show that that second half after that first touchdown in the second half, that was the only touchdown in the second half, that it was pretty much, well, it was a blase performance. The Rams really could have hung 45 on this team. I really believe that. The Rams could have hung a, a ton of points on them. They could, have, they could have stockpiled yardage on them. They, that is what the story, to, the numbers don't show. The numbers don't show that this could have been much worse. The numbers also on the flip side don't show how well the Rams defense played in the second half. The Bengals had 108 rushing yards, but almost all those rushing yards came in the first half. They shut it down the second half. The Rams were able to minimize any damage that Andy Dalton was able to cause, despite the fact his receivers, I thought, played pretty well. Ran some nice routes, made some brilliant catches, a pass rush got after him in the second half. I just think the Rams, you know, they have something missing. I think last year, even though this team frustrated us quite a bit at times, they had something. They had like an it factor to them, like a swagger to them, that when they went into a game and the pressure was on, the odds are really good they're going to pull it out. I can think back to the Vikings game and both 49ers games. And I I look at that and think this is – I look at them now, and the intensity doesn't seem to be there. The The focus doesn't seem to be there. And that's concerning for me across the board in terms of where the Rams are going. It's not about, you know, I'm happy they got the win. It's a good win. Any win, like you said, going overseas, a team that has nothing to lose by giving you a hard time, by the way. But my question going into the bye is where are the Rams right now? Where are they going? Are they to, are they in a place where they are going to be able to kick it to the next level in the coming second half of the season? Yeah, that's the question that uh, we're all hoping that we can see answered sooner than later. But that's where you start really giving a team like whether you like them or not. I'm not a huge Patriots fan. I'm not a huge Niners back in the day fan when they were just rolling in, getting Super Bowls and going to the big dance or the Dallas teams. You know, you kind of like to see teams every year battle it out and getting there. But it goes to prove, one, how tough and how hard it is to maintain that high level of intensity mm-hmm. game in, game out, year in, year out. You know, obviously this year our team is struggling with it looks like desire. I don't think it is, but you just don't know how these things play out when you now have a couple guys off the O-line that are missing and now you got some new guys that's got a gel. And even though they were on the team last year, you know, you're still gelling. You just never know how the chemistry overall is with the team. But it just looks like I totally agree that something's kind of missing. And I always like to look at it when they uh, pan the sideline at different times. You can kind of see just on guys' looks. And so it looks like there's people uh, that have that concern. You know, they pan it towards the end of the game, Gurley, and then the running back coach to sit next to him. And I'm thinking, okay, Gurley's out the game. Why is the running back coach sitting next to him? So, the look on his face was like either, man, I'm ready to go home or he wasn't too pleased with something, you know. So when you look across everything and try to analyze things from just an outsider viewing 
you know, the game and, and things like that. And I definitely think that some some things played into, you know, we don't want to run it up on an old coach that have been here and, you know, probably really good friends with Coach McVay and, you know what I mean? So that's the thing, again, you tip your hat to a guy like Bill Belichick. He's like, okay, but I'm going to do what I normally do. We're going to try to score at the end of the game. Well, that's the thing is Bill Belichick and his point of view is, is I'm going to destroy you. I right. want you to remember who beat you. I want you to remember how I beat you, and I won't remember that next time I face you. Right. And, yeah, it drives you nuts. You you can look at him and with his hoodie on and his worn-down right. shirt and think, man, right. what a jerk. The guy <laughs> exactly. is totally unlikable. But he's won a lot. And th- this isn't about – this is not about being likable. If if it's about being likable, then you, you're in the wrong area. You can go play – Patty cake somewhere with my little girls outside. I'm not sure a creep. Well, if it's being likable, a guy like Tony Dungy's still coaching. You know what I mean? Now, I know Tony's probably had opportunities to come back and coach and probably hasn't, but you're talking about one of the all-time class acts, got all his teams to play at a high level. You know, that's him. But he's like, hey, I'm going to stay in the booth and I call it a career. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. This this is not the, the the profession that you're looking for the most likes when everything comes down to the wins and losses. Yeah, and you got to remember too. Tony Tony Dungy was fired in Tampa Bay. He could not get that team to the next level. That's what I'm saying. Gruden, you know, a guy. Indy, who, yeah. yeah, right. He yeah, Dindy though got one, but was Tony Dungy consistently dominant dominant throughout his career? And the answer is no. And I think the Rams have to make that decision. What kind of team do you want to be long-term? You're already out there willing to make the moves necessary. Yes. Go get a Jalen Ramsey. What's the point of going to get a Jalen Ramsey and guys like him if you're not going to play like there's no tomorrow? You're, right. you're trying to win. And that's my concern. They did a lot of great things today. There are things that I think we should be happy with. When, they were, when the Rams are on, the Bengals couldn't stop them today. They couldn't. Yeah, it was it was it was literally like you know playing with your little brother's team down at the park, and so as your to your point, yeah, like okay, what are we doing? Are we trying to be, you know, the cool team? You know, we have these unwritten rules. We don't want to embarrass the other guy, especially if they've been on our staff. You know, we loved him when he was here. Did a great job. You know, but then there's this other side that says, well, you shouldn't have left. So we're going to show you why you shouldn't have left. But you don't really see that in how it came. Now, what I loved about the defense, you know, I'm watching them guys at the end of the game. They're trying to get home. So what I'm looking at for them, they're like, hey, man, if we got five sacks, man, I'm about to get me a sack. And so you could see literally guys kind of scrapping because, you know, sometimes those D linemen, they'll have a little little thing. Hey, man, most sacks, we all put a, you know, a few dollars in this hat. And, hey, man, most sacks for this game. Hey, get to treat your family to a week, you know, free filling up all your cars with some gas money. So, uh, but it looked like they were trying to have some fun and get home. And so you kind of want to see that across the board. And it's not like us. Unlike us, you know, our team, we we played a team that kind of wasn't going to be really on the field with us Friday, but we ended up only winning 10-3 to three because our guys somewhat played down to the level of competition, but at the NFL, you never want to be doing that. And that's the real question. Did they play down the competition or did they just say, hey, listen, I think we have this win now. Let's shut it down. Let's not let people see our playbook. Let's not embarrass our guy, the guy who went on to go be our. Because I don't think, let me rephrase this. I don't think Sean McVay is going to go try and rump a score on his guy when his guy is basically a representative of him. He became learned under me. Now he's moving. He's, a, he's my coaching tree, basically. And I kind of doubt that he would want to embarrass his guy. And that's how it looked to me. They. They stopped taking a whole lot of, of um, they stopped with the more complex play calls. They really took Gurley out of the game. He only, again, only had 10 carries. 
trying to keep him quote unquote fresh. They got Henderson some more time. They they let Goff throw some around and Goff just made some interesting decisions. I just don't know that Sean McVay today was was thinking, let's just put the kill shot in. I think we're we're all we are. Let's get everybody healthy and out of here. Keep everybody safe. Not show anybody anything more in our playbook because we're adding new stuff every day, and that's it. And then all we have is really that first half plus a drive to judge. And offensively, in that first half plus a drive, they did whatever they wanted throwing the football. The pass protection was there. They did a good job protecting Jared Goff. He had hours to throw back there. He was able to find really Cooper Cup anywhere he was anywhere he was in the field. There was no real, there weren't really any bad Jerry Goff decisions in that first half. I think maybe the throw to Cooks was a little dangerous, putting right where he was between two defenders and Cooks got hurt. That might have been an ill-advised pass. I need to go back and look at the film. Maybe you remember it. But overall, offensively, throwing the football, they were great. Running the football, still no real push from that offensive line. And if there's one difference that I could say about Todd Gurley running the football today and Daryl Henderson is the Todd Gurley I remember, when there's no hole, he'll try at least make a hole. Won't always get somewhere, but he'll at least try and make a hole. And that wasn't there today. It's like he gave up. Daryl Henderson was, I'm gone, bye. And that's what I saw in him. Todd Gurley's 20-yard run, Mike, remember this late in the half, that's when the Bengals backed off defenders off the line. The offensive line didn't have as much to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. And, and again, uh, you know, I don't want to just kind of keep harping on it, but it just looks to me, I mean, you could see, in my opinion, a distinct difference from when Darrell Henderson was in and running, and when Todd, you know, right before Todd went out, he does a little swing pass, but, I mean, literally looks like he's limping. And so I'm like, okay, is that just tired, or is that how he runs now? And then the next series you see uh, Daryl Henderson come in the game and kind of finish out the game. So I don't know. I just – it just seemed then, like I said, they pan to the bench later on, and Todd's sitting there with the jacket on, and the running back comes, comes over, and he's talking to him. But, you know, so it just – I don't know, it's just cause for concern, but for me, you literally saw flash of lightning and, and Henderson when he was in, and then Todd in, you just kind of see, you know, a guy just playing in the game a little bit. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but, you know, I know Coach McVay, you know, has this thing for veterans, and, you know, I think they have a whole plan of attack on practice and reps and rest and they have this whole model that they use so maybe that plays into it hey we played a game out of state now we're going out the country we have a bye coming up let's get started on our recovery plan here in the second half i don't know but yeah there's no doubt that they took their foot off the gas now in the second half too the rams got ran off the field defensively in that first half literally they were running all over the rams Second half, dominant performance. They want to get into the quarterback five times. They want to get Andy Dalton five times. And they probably could have got to him more. They really only rushed four for much of the game. So defensively, they sharpened up, especially in that third quarter, early fourth quarter. Except on fourth down, that's annoying. But you, you really should be able to get 10 yards and four downs, by the way. You should. If you need it, you should be able to get it. I'm not sure how much I blame the Rams for, for uh, the Rams defense for uh, a fourth down blown in a game where you're starting to uh, to lock down a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm not going to harp on it too much. I know some folks are upset about it, but I'm looking more big picture. Did they stop the, the Bengals in the second half? Yes. Did they shut them out in the second half? Yes. Did they get pressure on their quarterback? Yes. Did they fix problems in the first half? Yes. So that checks all the boxes. I'm not real worried there. I, I look at the defense, though, and wonder who are they. 
in the trenches, they confuse me a bit because they don't seem to be as effective as they should be, especially with Aaron Donald in the middle. He's always going to have a double team at least on you, sometimes even a triple team. So what's going on? What is going on on that defensive line consistently is what I think if there's one thing I want to see from that front seven, I just want them to be more consistent. Who are you? Are you going to stop the run across the board? Secondary-wise, they're going to be in flux for a while. You're getting Jalen Ramsey back in a game shape. You have Aqib Tlaib, who might not ever play a game for you. If you're listening to reports today, they're talking about possibly trading him this week. He's on the injured reserve. You have Troy Hill back there playing with Darius Williams. Darius Williams was a free agent signing, a, a unrestricted, undrafted free agent signing, if I'm correct. Am I, am I, am I correct there? So I, I'm not, I'm not going to think too poorly on the secondary for some of the problems it had today. That front seven, though, they get pressure, then they let up. And I, I want to see just consistency and see who they really are. Because the Bengals' offensive line is horrible. And a lot of times, they, especially in the first half, they got a lot to push on that Rams' defensive line. Yeah, you know, what I could pick up, at least from the limited angles and different things, as I'm trying to, you know, look at the line play, looks like a lot of times on defense, we were doing what we call twists, where, you know, lineman starts one way and swings way down inside, then the nose may swing all the way around to the outside, which takes a lot more time to to happen. You're you're hoping when one guy stunts one way, two guys go with him. So when the other guy curls around, he kind of curls around into open space or open hole and put pressure. You know, so when you're doing that in the passing game, the quarterback's doing deep sets, that can work, but Sometimes if you're doing that and a team starts running, it can catch you and, and there you give up, you know, those six and seven, eight, ten yards plays. Or in a passing game, you're not really getting home as opposed to you're just getting upfield real quick and, and getting by on a one-on-one block. So, yeah, I think they're still trying to figure out their identity. Again, I think it goes to prove that, you know, a guy like Indomitian Kinsu was pretty valuable by what he was doing or what it seemed like he might have not been doing. But those are the hidden things that show up that were seems like last year, even though they have plenty of tape on Aaron Donald, he was getting free a little more than he is now. So still putting pressure, still getting hurries, if you will. Uh, but we're still not quite there. So. I'm looking for Brockers at any time to really have a breakout game uh, down the stretch here where he really becomes that dominant other guy that that allows Aaron to really get in there and create habit. Well, that's I just that's why I'm thinking where was this team's mind today overall? Where were they? Because that creating havoc happened. It didn't happen all game. Why? Why didn't it happen all game? Why Why was a team with the worst rushing game in the league able to do what they did to the Rams in the first half before they finally figured it out? Why did you respect the Bengals' passing game that much that you were willing to focus there instead of against the, you know, the Rams, yeah, sort of the Bengals' running game? You've seen Joe Mixon run before, haven't you? I mean, they have. I mean, they've seen Giovanni Bernard run before. They know he can run the football. They both can. So why weren't they prepared into the second quarter? I mean, I get, I, I get it. Sometimes you're going to have a bad drive and you got to make adjustments. Everybody has to make adjustments. But that was one half of dominating the Rams' defensive line up front, running the football. And that's – they do that. The Rams' defense will look like a number one, number two, number three defense in the league one, one week, one half – and then the next week they'll look like, well, hot garbage for a half. And you're wondering what happened. What's going on? There's just too much talent there, Mike. There is way yeah, too and, much and talent there. There is, but I think that's where, you know, I'm not, you know, when I'm seeing guys doing twists and different things like that, I'm like, okay, well, why are they doing a twist when it's, okay, not really a passing down? But, 
again, it looks like everybody's trying to kind of still figure it out and they're trying stuff in NFL games. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try that. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try that. And again, you know, not knowing their practice schedule. Yeah, you know, you may be playing a team that's supposed to be inferior, but I always remind people it's the NFL. So even a team that's 0-16 is a good team because you have good personnel. It's just you haven't, the synergy hasn't gotten together where everybody's on the same page and therefore you lose games. It's not like those guys on the other side aren't any good. They wouldn't be in the NFL. So that being said, you're talking about still a new staff and, you know, new coach is still adjusting, but I know they showed it to screen, you know, guys who could get traded before the trade deadline. One was one of my young sons, Geno Atkins Jr. And it's like, okay, you guys going to try probably trade your best D lineman. Okay. Are we going into rebuild mode? You know, then I got some of the other guys. I'm like, okay, why would they trade those guys? Cause they're having what is just somewhat of an off year, but you got a new coaching staff. So you should expect that next year you should be, but that's how it goes in the league. So yeah, I would just, it just looks like sometimes we're experimenting with things, but again, you still got a lot of new people, Eric Weddle, Ramsey just been there now. You got Hill now playing a lot more, things like that. And so uh, Clay Matthews obviously was here to do, but now he's injured. So backup has to step up. So all those things being said, it looks like, you know, we're still trying to figure things out a little bit, which are, you know, it's not too bad. I mean, our record five and three, as you said, going into the break. So, you know, that's still a good record with eight games ago. We'll take it. We will take it, considering where they were a couple weeks ago. So if, if folks are thinking, hey, we're being ultra-negative, no, we're just breaking things down here. And there, there are things of concern because let's just admit, let's admit this. The, the bar's been raised. This is not the team you expect to be 6-10 and 10 anymore. You're, you, you've raised the bar. As the Rams organization, you have raised the bar to expect more. You've filled this roster for, full of talent. You've filled it full of stars, full of players who can win MVP awards both offensively and defensively. How can you not, at this point, how can you not expect more from this team? than what you had four years ago. You've gone to a Super Bowl. You've gone to, had a playoff for before that. You've won two straight NFC West titles. It's going to be tough for you to win again. And yet, we'll, we'll probably be seen as being negative. No, we're breaking down. We saw a lot of positives, but we saw some things that are concerning. And the reason why they're concerning to me is because they've been problems throughout the year that haven't been fixed. They're not new problems that have popped up recently. They're ones that we've seen time and time again rear their ugly heads okay folks before we move on we do want to give a shout to our sponsor jim hawk most of us are practically addicted to anything that involves the los angeles rams whether it's looking back at some of those historical games from the 1970s to the 1999 super bowl win when they were in st louis we just love this team and we love to learn more about this history well there's a book out there by jim hawk always seen great glamour in the 1950s los angeles rams that tells the story of the 1950s rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some stories of his father and a team he played for an air of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers in this wonderful story featuring players like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Chrisley Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. It's a story for the, for the ages, literally. It's been, this is 60 years of the making where you can get a look at Hollywood at the time that was building up into the machine it is now and how the Rams fit right into it. You can find Hawk's book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter, Hollow's Team. So both at Hardback and Electronic Form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And don't forget that all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization in Los Angeles that helps kids get out of the gang life and making them into productive members of society. Trust me, folks, it's worth it. Hollow's Team, great glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. A couple more things I wanted to ask you about, Mike. And I wanted to ask you last week, we just weren't able to have a show. I, I was ill, uh, no voice, like literally no voice, gone. And this is one of those moments like, yes, Derek can't talk. But, Mike, they went out there and got <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. And uh, 
first week, last week, he looked great. This week, he had you know, a couple issues, especially late, but it was pretty clear he, he checked out. How does this secondary change now with Jalen Ramsey in there overall, once he's back in full game condition? Well, I mean, again, it all goes to chemistry. You you have uh, you can have great players, but if the chemistry isn't there amongst the players, then it's not going to work. You know, uh, not knowing Jalen personally, you know, just kind of see him on TV and different things. Uh, I don't know how overall he actually fits into the locker room persona. Uh, because at some point in time, it's going to be something about me. And so that's the thing that you kind of hedge on. But the, the thing is, he's only been there, what, now two weeks, not even 14 days, whatever. So you're talking about a new player coming to your team. You hope that his veteran status in the league allows him to come in and assimilate pretty quickly. But those dynamics take time. And so no matter how much you hope – that a guy, you know, a great player like him, you pick up, but it's still going to be, you know, the chemistry that takes a little time to build. So, uh, and again, not knowing what the injury was before he was traded here, you know, how much playing shape, because the first week you, you can get out there, play a little bit on emotions. Now the second week, your your legs are going through, you know, typical, maybe a little more heavier Followed up by, again, you're now overseas, new team. Again, maybe you're not practicing your normal two-hour practice day. Maybe you're only going an hour and 15, I don't know. Uh, Then you got to go play a game. And then nobody wants to be coming back on the plane banged up. So as much as you're saying, hey, man, you're in the NFL, go out there, play hard. You know, guys, we had that in the back of their mind. Man, we got the bye coming up. Man, nobody's trying to get hurt today. And then, you know, spend your next two weeks rehabbing. That's my question, though. Couldn't we in some ways expect that for some of the other teams? Some of the other, sorry, not some of the other players. Like, you played a road game on turf in Atlanta last week. Yes. They're getting used to playing with Jalen Ramsey. Yes. They're getting used to dealing with him in, in the lineup. And they have a, a turnaround to go across the pond to England and have to deal with all the things that go with that this week. And I would think it wouldn't just be Ramsey who's tired. I would think that whole team on their second straight row game would be tired. I mean, it's a home game, quote-unquote. But they haven't been to L.A. in a couple of weeks. At this point, you're ready to go home. I, mean, I could tell you as a guy who's been deployed, man, that, that wears on you. Oh, there's no doubt. And like I said, it just looks like, you know, towards the end of the game, guys are just like, man, let's get out of here. You know, I know when we would, you know, even if we play like in Tampa, you know, and it's pouring down rain and, you know, okay, we got this game in hand. The thing was, hey, man, get in the showers. Let's get the truck loaded. Because you got to remember all the stuff that they take, it has to get back from the stadium on the travel uh, vans back to the stadium for you then to load up the plane to then come back. So everything is, hey, man, let's get out of here as quick as we can. We've been here long enough. Now, I don't know if they end up staying an extra night and then fly back tomorrow so that it's not as rushed. I'm not sure, but uh, most of the time it's like, hey, man, let's get out of here as quick as we can. So, uh, yeah, you take all those factors into play and you hope that, you know, guys are professional. They know what they're there to do a job and go do it and play their 60 minutes as hard as they can, but or it's supposed to. But yet and still, the fact is you're still dealing with the human mind, the human body and guys who've been in the league. They're looking down the road and are going, OK, this one's in the bank. bank. Let's take a little of the gas off and get get off this field as safe as sound. I think when we take time to break down these games, and, and quite frankly, yeah, you you were criticizing. We're saying the running game was not there for much of the game. The run defense was poorest in the first half, et cetera. They took the feet off the pedal for the you know for the kill shot. It's also easy for us to forget that these guys are human beings and that they 
even though they're talented and they have all kinds of ability to make things happen on the football field, it's been a long two weeks for this team. And so all those flaws in mind, all those things going on, it's probably important to say, okay, you know what? You still need to be professional and you understand that there's some work to do, but you can also understand that you're, you're going to get tired. And tired minds do weird things and sometimes don't always react the way you need them to react. So I guess some, there is some move, there is some area, some room, that is the right word, some room for backing off and saying, hey guys, all right, just get home, get healthy, get rest. Because in two weeks, they're right back on the road again in Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't know when they travel to Atlanta. You know, the first couple years, I know when I was with the Rams, we would leave on a Friday. You know, so we'd get there late Friday, be there Saturday, fly back Sunday. Uh, Years later, when Coach Knox came, we would travel on Saturday, the day before the game. We might go to our facility here you know, run around, jump on the plane, then get there Saturday. But let's just say they went on a Friday. So now you're already gone from home, maybe a day or so earlier than normally, only to then stay in that city, only to then, you know, fly across the pond, you know. So I think little things like how much clothes do you take? You know what I mean? Are you one of these stylish guys that you you wear slacks and suits? I mean, that's pretty big. Or maybe that's a couple bags. Or are you a guy just, hey, man, I'm sweats and a shirt. But, you know, you have to go attend maybe a dinner party or something. So you're packing. So little, all those kind of things can come into play. You know, packing for a two-week trip as opposed to a day-and-a-half trip. You know, and I dealing with family and hey we want to go see some of the sites since we're in another country for some guys it'll be their first time all those kind of things so yeah you take all that into play and and it kind of as you think about it more and more you go yeah win is a win good win and then we get on back home now we have a bye we'll we'll be able to catch up and get back in the sink of things but i want to hit on the point that you said earlier about the expectation so that's where the big difference is the expectation is this team is just not a mediocre type team trying to go eight and eight this is a team expected to go you know 14 and 2 13 and 3 and those wins are supposed to be decisive man we got a new building we're going into man we we need to get ready so when we get in our building we're gonna win the whole thing first year in our new building you know what i mean those are the expectations now there's no longer uh okay we win uh no the expectation is super bowl of bus every year and it's going to be especially when you're going out there and making superstar trades and you're giving yes. away first round picks for those trades and you have yes. to make all those things cuz you're basically if you're wrong here you're mortgaging your future and you're talking about 5 6 7 years of being a really bad football team yeah that's yeah. just the case of it so you have to be right and if you got, and that's to me the the main. If I'm the Rams organization, if I'm Sean McVay, my main motivating factor is I know that my window here can change at any given time because of what we've mortgaged to get here. So we better be on it. We we have to be focused all the way across the board. We have to be great at our craft as much as we can be, and. That is really, I think, a source for me. Is a it just take the the podcast or journalist guy out of me and just a fan. If I'm just a fan alone here, a source of frustration for me. If I'm sitting at home with a bunch of buddies and I'm, I'm thinking, man, come on, this is ridiculous. You got nine penalties, really? You're not, you're not the youngest team in the league anymore. You're not. You you're not this undisciplined mass of people. But you're playing like it today. Why? The expectations are higher. It's to steal from the Raiders. You've now made a commitment to excellence by all the moves you've made. You are there. Right. Right. And now you have to live by that. And if you don't, 
we're going to go back in 10, 15 years, look back in history and think, what a waste of talent that this team had at the end there. If they don't at least, if they can't at least be competitive for the next couple of years in terms of playoff contention, Super Bowl, I can't even say a guaranteed Super Bowl contention because you have a lot of great teams in this league, but at least be in the game. At least be a team that's getting better every week and having your eyes to the prize. And I think what's concerning about the Rams since the, since really all season really is they haven't always played or behaved like they are a team after that prize on the field. Off the field, they're making all the moves, right? But on the field, what are you doing? That's my concern. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's a true concern because think about it. You know, touching on your point in regards to what are we giving up to get some of the guys that we've brought in over the years, right? So the idea, just from looking at it, you would think that, okay, well, we got fill this spot, fill that spot. Okay, this person matures. Well, we're good to go for the next four or five years. However, the flip side of it is, you know, unfortunately, we look at Todd Gurley. The, the question is still out. Oh, man, we played him. We figured he's going to be solid for the next three or four years. Oh, man, what if we only had really this year? You know what I mean? Okay, we got a Henderson in in the, in the stable and Brown. Okay, cool. Okay, maybe we may be over it. And then at that position. So you go down every single position and you're like, okay, we got this guy. We got that guy. But again, we got a seasoned guy like Eric Weddle. But how much is in the tank? Still, seems like he's still playing hard to me. Knows he's doing Maybe he's another three, four years at a high level. I don't know. We brought Clay Matthews in to fill the void. He's injured. Now it's like, how's, how well is he coming off the injury? You know, Aaron Donald's one person. Eventually they can get enough blocking schemes to keep one guy out so someone else has to step up. So absolutely, and even with Jalen Ramsey, we still need to be looking at how do we sign him longer term, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. what if he decides, man, I'm out of here. Okay, what do we now do with the secondary? If, in fact, you're saying, rumor is, hey, man, we got him. Maybe we let Akeem Tlaib go as well. I don't know. You know, because that's where these GMs, like, let's need, this is where you climb to the pinnacle, and then the next thing you know, you're out of a job because you start making moves that don't pan out. Then it's like, hey, what were you thinking? Because you almost look like, okay, well, it looks like we got enough firepower offensively and we'll just outscore teams. But then it's like, well, maybe we don't because well, no one thought. Go ahead. You don't have the firepower if you can't protect your quarterback, though. You if you can't there you go. Open running lanes. All of a sudden, that firepower, all of the skill position players mean nothing. Right. Without the trenches. Right. So, you know, and then Whitworth. We can say, man, looks like he's still playing, but he talked about retirement last year. He's in his 14th season. Like, does he want to play again next year if things don't, you know, go well? Or maybe he's hoping, hey, man, I gave it this one more year. We didn't make it. I'm out. You know, I don't know. So, but look at this way. I mean, the Rams have competition now. The, the Seahawks won today. Right now, as we're recording yes. this, as we're recording this, yeah, sure. Uh, the 49ers lead the C- lead the, ca- the Panthers 27-3 at halftime. Garoppolo 14-17, 134. They've run for 126 yards. The, their new receiver, Manuel Sanders, already has a touchdown. Greg Kittle, five catches, 61 yards. Joey Bosa with three sacks at halftime. Eric Armstead, two sacks at halftime. That's a good football team. And you have to wonder, well... Yeah, that's, that's a good football team right yeah, there. Yeah, that's a good football team. And they have draft capital left to keep getting better. And they're one-dimensional, by the way, for the most part, but they made that trade to get Sanders to, to try and move away from that. That's a good football team, the great defense, a defense that was, that was built to beat the Rams, and they did, by the way. There's no, there's no controversy about that game. They beat the Rams, and that is why, that is why things are different now. If you, two years ago on this podcast... Man, we're happy. We're happy to go eight and eight. Our twenty seventeen season, Mike. If you go back and listen to our shows, we were darn near tears when they won their eighth game. We couldn't believe it. We were like, "Are you serious? 
we're a 500. We we've clinched a 500 season for the first time in in since 2000. What was it? Six, ninth win. You've clinched a winning season since 2003. We were emotional about that, but now the actions taken by the front office say it is time to do more than just win eight games and win nine games. It is time to be more than just average. It is time to be more than just okay. It's time to be a champion. And that's what we're expecting now. We're expecting to at least be in contention to be a champion. Yeah, and those teams that you've, you've absolutely talked about just now, yeah, I mean, those are the teams that you're going to have to either play to get where you're going or play when you get there. So, yeah, and so you, you're you going to do the matchup thing. Well, how are we matching up? Oh, man, we could only score five points. Oh, man, they score 45, you know, whatever those things are. And like you said, you know, we got five sacks in a game. Sound like they already got five sacks and a half. So you go like, wow, you know, yeah. so are they playing that much better or are they that, that much more hungry? And so I don't know if last time we talked about a good buddy of mine said, you know, the way to kill an alligator is to kill him when he's full because he just kind of is going to lay there and you can kill him with your bare hands. And, and you think of sometimes in these situations when you get full, whether it's, hey, I got my contract finally, I worked hard, now I'm full. Yeah, I don't have to go run as many or work as hard or, yeah, where I get that extra three yards. Yeah, I just shut it down and, hey, man, we can punt. So, yeah, I don't know. Are the Rams playing like they're full or they just have not enough chemistry to know what it actually takes to really get to the next level consistently year in and year out? And that's the question right there, right there. That's the question I have to answer real quick because the schedule has opportunity there. They have a game at the 49ers, but they have a game against, they have two against the Cardinals, who aren't horrible, by the way. Uh, they have one more against the Seahawks. There is still room for them to jump in there. The, a big game against the Bears, the Ravens, the Steelers. It's not an easy schedule the rest of the way out, but it's not, it's not impossible either. It's not one of those schedules that you're thinking they don't have a shot in. They have a shot. It's in their hands. Even at 5-3, and three, they can make the playoffs or they can fall apart. We'll find out coming after the bye. Before we go, we do want to ask you if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Give us an email. Send us an email over at ramstop1945 at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'll be happy to have you. And also be reminded we're part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Check out a quick promo from one of our partners. My name is Dave Knittle. I'm Christian Knittle. And my name is Matthew Knittle. We are the three hosts of the Bros Talking Soccer podcast. You may have noticed that we all have the same last name. Well, that's because we are brothers, bros, talking soccer. Get it? On Bros Talking Soccer, we talk about what's happening in American and European soccer. We also have interview episodes where we talk with guests working on grassroots projects in American or European soccer. Follow us on Twitter at BT Soccer Pod or visit our website, brostalkingsoccer.com, for more info. All of our shows are recorded on YouTube, where you can come interact with us as we record. Bros Talking Soccer is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Just search Bros Talking Soccer. Hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, and as promised, some feedback here from the Apple Music here. Um, We do want to give a shout out to the Rams Brothers. They were a part of our network for a while. They're back on their own, and and good luck to them. But a couple of pieces of feedback came in with their name on it. So we do want to read it out by uh, Racer163, best podcast LA Rams, a fan from New Jersey here. Love to listen in, uh, listen to other Rams fans after the games. Very knowledgeable, entertaining as always. Shout out to the Rams brothers. Here's hoping for another amazing season. Rams Nation, baby. Uh, variety, variety, variety from Frankie A805. I live in the Central Coast, San Maria, California, and I'm around nothing but Raider, Cowboy, and 49er fans. This podcast has been a great addition to my, into my daily life. It's informative, entertaining, and all around fun. As my description says, there's a great variety of shows and multiple ones weekly. I work night and by myself, but for 85% of my shift. So this is in my shuffle with music and comedy. 
I feel like I learn a new fact or stat at least once a week listening in and appreciate their opinions and information. The interviews are my favorite. I feel like they ask most questions I would if I had the opportunity. Overall, I'm happy being able to find this podcast and listening in every time a new episode drops. It reminds me of being a kid when my favorite cartoon came on once a week. Keep up the good work, fellas. That was articulate, by the way, Mike. Jeez, what a... That was articulate. Yeah, Mike, that was good. That, that was, was a good, good one. Wow, that was a good one. But here we go. I figured you're going to like this one. This is from KY in Yukaipa. Hope I said it right. California says my go-to rants yep. podcast. The network hosts a variety of shows, so it keeps things fresh throughout the week. I especially enjoy Rans Brothers for, for their unique style and a pop culture references and comedy. I also really like listening to Michael Stewart break down a bit more, break down the game a bit more on RTR. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. I called you out yeah, by I'm name, like big him. dog. Oh, no. That's a good right. work. So if you like getting a shout-out, please let us know. And if we, if you happen to have put one out there recently, also let us know. Maybe we missed you, and we can go back and get you. And, and uh, we appreciate your support always. And uh, with all that said, we'll be back midweek with a bi-week edition of the show. And I, I really want to get into the question with you, so I may put it out to everybody the question is, what are your expectations now that the Rams are 5-3? and three? Have they dropped a bit concerning the struggles? Have they, are they remaining the same? What is your outlook on this team both now and in the future? I think that may be a good theme for this week, and hopefully we get some good answers there. Before we go, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have the Rams Talk room. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find me on on Twitter at DC Apollo and Mike, you're, you're still there, right? I mean, like, I think you still you're just like a lurker on Twitter, right? Yeah, <laughs> the lurker at one Duke twenty three for him. Don't forget the Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Android, all those places for the entire team, the entire Rams Talk staff here. This is Derek C. Apollo saying, "Take it easy." We'll be back midweek. Have a great one. We're out of here. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.